You're listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast from Liberty Family Church. For more information about our church, head to the website, libertyfamilychurch.net.au. We're pretty okay with love, aren't we? But when the word submission is said, that's another thing altogether. When the word love is mentioned today, most people wouldn't even bat an eyelid. Love is everywhere. Love, however you term it, is kind of universally, funnily enough, loved. It's very much acceptable. But as soon as someone says submission, it invokes, for most people anyway, a really negative or even a hostile response. When people think of submission, they think of a whole lot of things and they think of parents lording it over their children, women being mistreated or coerced to do things that they don't want to do, to obey their husbands, bond servants or slaves being exploited, or in our modern day, perhaps work, workers being exploited by their bosses and so many other negative things. And unfortunately, if we're really honest, as people in church today, many, many people have been mistreated through some pretty distorted understandings and expressions of submission and in particular, through distorted interpretations of today's very passage from Ephesians. Many, many churches have, and many, many Christians have, sadly, consistently promoted a distorted and unbiblical view of submission that has really hurt people and in particular has really hurt women. Now, obviously, that kind of abusive, ungodly behaviour is not at all okay. There's no place for it in the church. There's no place for it in our church. Women are not to be exploited, but they're to be cherished. They're to flourish. They're to be cherished as the beautiful image bearers, created in the image of God, beautiful people that they are. The challenge for us is that sometimes when something good becomes horribly distorted, we're tempted to kind of just do away with that thing completely, yeah? We're tempted to do away with the distorted thing. It's very easy for us to kind of think that because submission is either viewed negatively in society or it has been used in the past and even currently, sadly, to control and manipulate people, that therefore we should not ever think about submission or promote submission of any kind or certainly not submit to anyone else. The problem with this is submission in its purest, biblical, God-designed sense is a truly beautiful thing. You'd find it near impossible. No, I'm going to say it. You would find it impossible to read the whole counsel of Scripture and then argue that God doesn't want or actually expect that his followers would submit to one another. Submission in its purest biblical God-designed sense is in perfect unity. It lines up perfectly with the heart of God and is something that God has actually introduced for our good and for the good of society. How so, you might be thinking? How could submission possibly be for our good? How is submission good for wives, children, bond servants or slaves or employees who might feel like a slave? 
How could it possibly be good? How could submission be good for our broader society? Well, we're going to see as we explore Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, through to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 9 today. So let's pray and invite Holy Spirit to really speak to our hearts and bring home God's heart for the beautiful gift and beautiful, pure, good for all thing that submission actually is. Let's pray. Jesus, we just want to invite you now to come and dwell with us by your Holy Spirit. We pray even right now, God, that you would just move in power, that you would speak directly to our hearts, Lord, that as we consider this very biblical and God-designed thing called submission, that we would even, Lord, just allow this to fall on fresh ears, with not with preconceived ideas, but allow your word to truly speak to our hearts and guide us in life. Lord, we know that submission has been distorted, but Lord, we know too that anything in your word in the purest form is always for your glory and for our good. So Lord, would you bring it home for us today and help me to share this really, really well so that you are glorified and people are encouraged in your heart for pure, biblical, God-designed submission. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, before we read today's passage, let's read it in context. I'm always going on about context, I know, but context is so, so important. Have you ever seen one of those mashup videos? Last year, there were quite a few with our premier, Dan Andrews, where someone had taken the time to kind of cut isolated statements and put them all together to make him say something else altogether ridiculous. I think he was confessing his love for Gladys Berejiklian or something like that. But you know what I'm saying? It's so easy to see things like that and see how things uh, can be easily lifted from a completely different context and then taken out of context and misunderstood completely. You know, the danger is that when we come to reading God's word, is that we are so good at doing the same thing. You see, today's passage only really makes sense. It only really can be correctly interpreted in light of the verses just before that Paul shared. Uh, Ephesians 5.22, it was. That God's heart for submission, God's heart for love and submission can only be understood in light of these verses. You know, this is something really important to remember when it comes to the Bible. Scriptures, chapters, verses... They were a later edition. They weren't in the original letters, the original manuscripts. They were a later edition. When Paul originally wrote his letter to the church in Ephesus, funnily enough, it was a letter. There were no, there were no numbers. There were no, not necessarily paragraph breaks, all those kind of things. Those have all been done by editors over the year to help us to basically, you know, make it easy for us to come back to certain sections or follow along with certain thoughts in a letter. The problem is sometimes a writer, a biblical writer, is sharing a thought that isn't contained just within one chapter but actually goes over multiple chapters. And this is exactly what happens here in Ephesians chapter 5 through 6. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verses 15 to 21, the verses just prior to today's passage on love and submission Paul describes what the new life, new life in Christ will look like. Let's read that together now. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. 
And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. You know, there's lots here, obviously, but two key things really jump out for me in this passage. Paul says we are, one, to be filled with the Spirit, and two, we're to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Do you see that from that passage there? And you see this, there, right there, is the foundation for love and submission. We are to love and submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, out of reverence, out of awe, in response to the good news of the gospel. And we will do that. We will do that in a God-honoring, God-intended way when we are actually filled with the Spirit. In fact, love and submission will be the kind of natural fruits that the behavioral fruits that will flourish in our lives, be evident in our lives as we continue to walk with Jesus and as we're continually filled with Holy Spirit. Okay, now that we've got that context right there, let's read Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 through to Ephesians 6 and verse 9. Paul writes, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its saviour. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendour, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Bond servants, Obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service, as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bond servant or is free. Masters, do the same to them. And stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and that there is no partiality with him. You know, there's heaps in this passage that we could look at for weeks. But here's the underlying thing. All of these things that we've just read 
are built on the foundation that Paul laid out in the previous verse. We submit to others in different contexts, depending on all sorts of things, out of reverence for Christ. That is the foundation for love and the foundation for submission. Submission, biblical, beautiful submission, as described here by Paul, and it is, it's a beautiful picture, if we honestly take a look at it, will happen when we live in light of the gospel and are continually filled with and are shaped by Holy Spirit into Christ's image. This is so important. You know, even after having a quick read through this passage, we can see a few key sections that explore love and submission. And so let's just go through them now. We can see there are three there. The one is being between wives and husbands, two between children and parents, and three between bond servants and masters. So let's work our way through each of them together this morning. So let's start with wives and husbands. First things first, let me just say this is not something that is super popular to share or talk about in today's society, is it? But it's something that God says is his ideal in marriage. That's what God says. Don't shoot me. I'm just the messenger. God says that biblical love and biblical submission is his ideal for marriage. It's not my idea. It's actually God's idea for how marriages work best. Okay, let me start not by saying what Paul does say, but what Paul doesn't say. Paul doesn't say here, wives submit to all husbands. Do you see that? You know, you might be thinking, well, that's weird. Why would you even say that? Well, many, many churches and many, many Christians, sadly, have distorted Paul's teaching to such a degree that many women have been taught or have been pressured and feel pressured to kind of think that they need to submit to every man um, simply because of this passage of Scripture. Well, let me just say this is not right. This is a horrible distortion of Scripture right here, and that is simply not what God expects of you, beautiful women. That is not at all. Sure, women, just like men, are expected to submit themselves in different contexts, to submit themselves to our earthly leaders, Romans 13, and also to submit to church leaders for who are, who are looking out for you, who are caring for you. We're called to do that as well in Hebrews 13, 17. And we're called, as we just read before in Ephesians 5, 21, that we're actually called to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. All of us, women and men, are called to submission in all of those contexts. But here's the important thing. The expressions of love and submission that Paul outlines here in Ephesians 5:22 through 33, they're intended only for to be expressed and actually enjoyed within the confines of a marriage relationship. They're instituted by God for the good of the wife and for the good of the husband and good, for the good overall of their marriage and for further good as well, as we'll see in a minute. Okay. So here's a few key things that we can see in this passage of Scripture. God says wives are to submit to and respect their own husbands. Secondly, husbands are the head of their wives. And thirdly, husbands are to love their wives deeply and sacrificially. 
This is God's perfect design for marriage relationships. And if we look at this passage of scripture, we can, we can really see why, can't we? You know, think about this. If a husband is investing his energies in and he's committed to growing as a godly husband and he is caring for and laying down his life for his wife and doing all of these things as led and empowered by the Holy Spirit, laying aside his rights or his privileges, just like Jesus would for the good and the flourishing of his wife, I reckon his wife is probably really going to like that. Don't you? I reckon she will adore a husband who serves her sacrificially like that. She'll naturally feel safe. She'll feel honored. She'll feel cherished. And I would suggest would have a deep respect and admiration for her husband if he treated her like that. And as a result, she would joyfully submit to that kind of leader who God says has spiritual authority over her in the marriage relationship, someone who leads her, her husband, like Jesus. Submission here on the wife's part is simply allowing her husband to fulfill the role that God has called him to fulfill in their marriage relationship, that of ultimate leadership for the health and well-being of their relationship. As my ESV study Bible puts it, he's bound by love to ensure that his wife finds their marriage a source of rich fulfillment and joyful service to the Lord. Do you see how Paul leaves absolutely no room for abuse right here in these passages? Wives are to submit to their husbands. Yes, Paul uses the example of the church submitting to Christ to justify and explain why this is actually wonderful news for wives. And husbands are called to an incredible call. They are called to love their wives as Christ loved the church, as they love their own bodies. Seriously, friends, what wife would not joyfully and freely submit to and respect her own husband if he were a godly leader who loved her like that? You know, Paul leaves no room whatsoever in his teaching to justify any form of abuse on the part of the husband towards their wives. If anything, Paul actually... Paul actually raises the bar for husbands here, you know, as inspired by God, doing recording what God has said to record for the benefit of the Ephesian church, benefit of the church moving forward. Paul brings home the incredible responsibility that God has placed on the shoulders of men, husbands in their own marriage relationships before him to lead and encourage and shepherd and love their wives just like Jesus. That's incredible. That is a big responsibility. That is a substantial call. Husbands have great responsibility before God for the holistic well-being and flourishing of their wives. This design, wives submitting to their husbands and husbands loving their wives, as foreign as it might sound, as non-PC as it might be in today's world, it's actually God's ideal plan. It's God's ideal plan for marriage relationships and it's good news for everyone, including wives, in a marriage. It was great news back in Paul's day. You know, contextually, married women literally had no rights. They were seen as not substandard to men. They were not at all treated with any dignity. They did not have standing in society like that of men. 
And Paul's call here for husbands to love their wives in the same way that Christ loved the church remains genuinely good news. It was good news then, and it remains genuinely good news for people today as well. And before we move on, I just want to quickly touch on one other thing, which is super important when we're talking about love and submission and particularly in a marriage relationships. Wives, if your husband is abusing you, if your husband is not leading you in a God-honoring way, if he is exploiting you, if he is manipulating you, if he is using verses like this to force you to do things that you do not want to do or things that go clearly against the word of God, do not submit to him in those things. There you go. I've said it. If he's doing that, he's actually, well, he's obviously dishonoring you. He's also not living up to his end of the bargain. And therefore, please do not submit to a husband if he is leading you astray and away from God's best for you. Now, hear me. If your marriage is struggling, you know, we're, none of us are perfect. I'm not a perfect husband. I'm sure if any of us who are married really think about it, we're not perfect either. We are not not always, we don't always have it together. There's always room for improvement. So I'm talking more there about family violence, I guess. Um, you know, God doesn't want you to suffer abuse at the hands of a husband. Um, he doesn't want you to experience family violence. He doesn't want you to suffer under the, the, the reign of an abusive husband. And he certainly doesn't want you to submit to someone uh, who will only lead you away from him and his best. So if you're in a position like that, please be sure to reach out. I'm here for you. Tim, an elder here, also a professional counsellor, will be here for you. If you don't want to speak to any of us, that's okay too, but please reach out. I'm happy to refer you to someone who will be able to offer you support. You know, um, we, we would want to just see you safe and any children, dependents, whatever, safe as well. So please don't be shy. Reach out if you, if this is hidden home for you and even is really hard for you to hear this message, please be sure to reach out for help and we will support you to get out of an abusive situation like that and stay safe. Um, naturally, too, if if your marriage is, is just struggling in some other ways, you know, it's not abuse to, to that degree, but you feel like it's just not happening how it should be. You kind of hear things, God's ideal and go, man, we're so far short of that. And we all are, hear me, none of us are perfect, but you really want to grow. You want to invest. You want to see your marriage flourish. Can I encourage you to reach out as well? We're, we're here for you, myself, Tim. There'll be absolutely no judgment from us. We all, we're all encouraged to, um, we're all called to encourage one another and build one another up. And part of that is speaking into each other's lives, encouraging one another, calling each other to account to step up in marriage as well. And so if we can be of any support, please don't hesitate in reaching out to us. You know, God's heart, God's heart in an ideal world, God's heart is that all marriages would reflect the kind of culture that Paul's describing here in Ephesians 5 and that both partners, both partners would joyfully submit to serving and loving and caring for one another in all of these ways that he has intended and designed for our good. You know, as Paul says in his final words of encouragement in verse 33 to husbands and wives, he says this, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. This is ultimately what Christ calls all married couples to embody as led, 
as empowered, as strengthened by Holy Spirit. And Paul explains that not only is this kind of marriage good for us and honoring to him, but it actually paints a beautiful picture of Christ's desire for the church and the way that he lays down his life for the church. And it actually, in, in many ways, marriages like this, are uh, they, they're doing evangelism. They're showing people that Jesus and his church and that beautiful relationship that he desires, it's truly a powerful thing. Okay, there's so much more we could unpack today, but we're not going to do that. I'll be sure to share some more in the new year, potentially, on marriage and other things, even from this passage in more detail. For now, let's, let's keep moving and look, move on from love and submission within between wives and husbands and move on to love and submission between children and parents. Reading Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 to 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honour your father and mother, this is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Okay, there's a few key things that we see here in this passage. God says, children are to obey and honour their parents in the Lord. Fathers are not to provoke their children to anger. Instead, fathers are to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. In the first three verses in this passage here, Paul explains why this is so important by referencing one commandment, referencing the fifth commandment all the way back, pointing to Exodus chapter 20 and verse 12. Here's what it says. It says, Honour your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. That's why Paul describes it as the commandment that comes with a promise. The fact that Paul makes this reference shows us one key thing. This commandment is still binding for us as New Testament believers today. Honouring our parents is not something that has been done away with. Honouring our parents is something that aligns so strongly with God's heart and is something that is good for us, good for our parents and brings glory to God as well. You know, it's something that God expects of his followers and it's something that, will, that he will lead us in, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Kids, you know, you won't always like what your parents do or say. Has that ever happened before? I'm sure it hasn't. You know, sometimes you might think that your parents are really out of line and just plain wrong on something. And little secret here, sometimes they actually are. In fact, more, than oft- more often than not, we actually are. We don't always get things right either as parents. I know I regularly get things wrong and don't necessarily lead my children as well as I would like on hindsight looking back. But here's the thing. No matter what, God wants you to love and honour your parents. Why? Out of reverence for him, because you love Jesus, because you honour and worship and love Jesus. That is the basis for the love and the call to honour your parents. And when you submit to your parents by honouring them, here's the thing, kids, you're actually worshipping Jesus. You're actually worshipping God. Did you know that? Honouring mum and dad is one of the ways that you worship God. And nothing, nothing gives God greater joy than seeing his children, which are you, treat his other children, your mum or dad, or other adults in your lives, well, God loves it. Nothing makes him more excited and gives him greater joy than seeing people treated the way that he 
has always intended. And here's the thing as well, kids. God promises to help you to do anything that he asks you to do. So when he asks you to honor your parents, he doesn't just ask you, he commands it. He says, do this. When he says, do this, he's going to help you to do that. And Holy Spirit will guide you in, in honoring and loving and submitting to your parents. All it takes is a willing heart on your part. So is your heart willing today? Maybe that's something you could think about today as you reflect. Is my heart willing to allow God to help me to honor and love my parents? Because here's the thing. God is honored when you do, and God will also bless. This is one of the things. You do this, there'll be a blessing that'll come your way for doing it. We don't do it for the blessing. It's just a beautiful consequence of doing what God says to do. If you ask Holy Spirit to help you honor your parents today, I guarantee that you will see him come and move in your life. So go for it, kids. Let's honor our mums and dads. And then in verse 4, Paul goes on to address fathers specifically. As we looked at before, you know, God's tasked men in a marriage relationship, husbands, the big responsibility to be that shepherd, that spiritual head in the household. And this naturally thereby extends to being the head of the family as well. Reading Ephesians 6.4, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, obviously, this verse applies to mothers as well. But Paul's writing here to particularly encourage fathers to step up into the beautiful role, the challenging role that God has set aside for them. He's calling them to, to, to lead and guide the family really well, as empowered by him, as inspired by him, as in light of the love of Christ and in light of the gospel, he's calling them to do it and do it really well. And the fact Paul specifically mentions fathers not provoking their children to anger is pretty important here. Dads, if you're anything like me, you would know this to be true. Our children know exactly how to push our buttons. They know exactly where they are, don't they? And they're pretty good at poking them at times. Well, let's be honest with each other this morning. If we're really honest, if we're being real this morning, we know exactly where their buttons are too, don't we? And sometimes, maybe often, depending on, on where you're at right now, we don't mind poking their buttons either, do we? We like the little reactions or we like kind of seeing what will happen if we just give them a little dig or something. You know, we are good at pushing their buttons too and riling them up. And you know, and I know, that it's not really something that we should do. But at times, just like all of us as fathers, we choose a path of sin. And for whatever reason, we do things that provoke our children to anger. Children can obviously choose to become angry. We all can choose to escalate or not. But we as fathers know that sometimes we can push buttons and, and help them to get there a whole lot quicker um, by what we do. You know, what God longs for fathers and mothers to do in their shepherding, in their oversight, in their spiritual care role is to help children discover the wonder of the Father, wonder of God the Father, the wonder of the gospel, and then go on to flourish in relationship with Jesus and then learn how to live life as bondservants, as servants of Jesus, doing his will with their unique skills and gifts and abilities, 
all for his glory and for the good of the world. That is what we as fathers are called to play a role in. You know, that's a massive calling. That is a massive calling. And God says that ultimately it's on fathers. Ultimately, in an ideal world, it is on fathers to see that this happens. Mothers and fathers together, naturally. But in God's perfect design, husbands are the ones to be the tone setter. They're the ones to be the culture setter and to lead in the investing and encouraging and raising of their own children to love God and to love others. Now, as I said before, when it comes to anger, children have free will, don't they? And they can choose at some point or other. They're going to make that choice. They're going to choose to either follow God or they're going to choose to not follow God. But husbands are responsible before God to ensure that a God-honoring, God-seeking culture is established and maintained in the family home. And again, as with a wife who no doubt would joyfully submit to a husband who is leading her like Jesus, children too, more often than not, I'll take that, more often than not, would no doubt joyfully submit to a father or to parents who are loving them and caring for them and shepherding and investing in them just like Jesus, wouldn't they? You know, I could say so much more, but for today, we'll leave it there on children and parents. So that's a quick look at love and submission between children and parents. Finally, let's take a very quick look at love and submission between bond servants and masters. In Paul's day, bond servants or slaves, they were an integral part of each family. Historians, this is really interesting, historians estimate that slaves made up one third of the entire population in Ephesus at the time of Paul writing his letter to the church in Ephesians. And while slaves were very much uh, an integral part of society, they had very limited rights and they were often abused and exploited. So Paul's words here encouraging this, this love and submission to be cultivated between bond servants and masters was truly revolutionary, truly revolutionary and very confronting, no doubt, to people of the day. Paul encouraged bond servants that, um, to obey and submit to their earthly masters. How? As they would Christ as they would Christ. And this submission, Paul writes, is not to be conditional, not to be half-hearted. They were to live as followers of Jesus and serve and honour their masters with everything they've got, wholeheartedly, all for God's glory. And Paul's words in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 9, they were particularly revolutionary, particularly confronting, no doubt, for the hearers of the day. Here's what Paul writes. He says, Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. Paul commanded masters to submit to their own slaves by loving them and treating them with dignity and respect, recognizing that they both serve the same master. Isn't that incredible? Now, I'm not, going to go, I'm not going to go into it today in why Paul doesn't condemn slavery because, you know, 
historians, you'll know that at some point in the history, the church made a stand against the slavery, which is fantastic. But I'm not going to go into that today and why Paul doesn't do it at this point in time. We'll save that for another time. The whole point of why Paul chose to go into this in this context was because bond servants and masters, slaves and masters, that was a common relationship in the culture of Ephesus in the day, just like wives and husbands, children and parents. Does that make sense? And I guess really what Paul was saying was he, he was using these to kind of describe how this kind of mutual love and, and submission would play out in some of these key relationships. Now, while we are now in 2021, nearly 2022, at a time, praise God, where slavery is very much not the norm in most parts of the world, Paul's teaching here is still super applicable to us. How so, you might think? Well, do you work? Do you work or volunteer your time doing something? Do you have a boss or someone who you report to? Then God calls you to love your boss. Submit yourself working hard out of reverence for Christ. That is to be your basis for doing all things in service to your boss. What about if you're an employer? Do you have a staff that you're responsible for? Then God calls you to love your team with his love and submit yourself to them, leading and caring for them well out of reverence for Christ. Paul's teaching here, whether it's our relationship with our spouse, our relationship with parents or children or other adults or other children that we interact with, or our relationships in workplaces or places in which we volunteer, all of this, it's relevant and remains good news for us, good news for the broader society in our day too. The question I guess I want to leave all of us to consider is this. How is God calling you to grow in love and submission today? Are you loving people and submitting to other people out of reverence for Christ as God calls you to with that beautiful self, um, you know, not self-exalting, but putting self aside so that you can place your, your focus and energies on blessing others and putting their needs above your own? Is that the heart of love and submission you have towards others? Or are you right now, currently, if you do an honest heart check, are you holding back from loving and submitting in your relationships in the ways God calls you to? Well, wherever you're at, friends, wherever it is you're at, God wants to see you flourish in life. God wants to see relationships between people flourish as well. And we flourish and our relationships with other people flourish when love and submission are joyfully embraced and expressed by people as we continually invite Holy Spirit in to our lives to shape and empower and guide us in the way of Jesus, in this new life that Paul speaks of in Ephesians. So let's do that right now as we close. Let's invite Holy Spirit to come and speak to us and encourage and guide us in how he is calling us, in how God ideally longs for us to love 
and submit to one another in all the different contexts that are applicable to us out of reverence for Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that your word, no matter the generation, no matter the time in history, is always good news and it's always the best for us. We thank you, Jesus, that you have given us clear clear teaching in how you are calling us to submit to one another out of reverence for you, out of our love for you. In light of the gospel, you call us to submit to one another. And we thank you, God, for some of these key ways, key relationships where love and submission are to be evidenced, I guess, are to be practiced. And we just pray, Lord, that in the ways that are specific for us, in our relationships, in our context, Lord, that you would speak to us. Holy Spirit, bring bring clarity to our hearts, clarity to our minds in where the areas in which you want us to, to, to love more effectively like Jesus, the way that you want us to submit ourselves more effectively, just like Jesus, because you submitted yourself to the Father's will as well. You, um, you put yourself under your Father's care. So God, we just pray that you would have your way in us and God, that we as a church community we would be part of the beautiful redemption of this notion of love and submission so that as people look at the relationships within our community, they would be able to see this kind of, kind of love and submission as you always intended, that is always good for people and brings you glory and is good for the broader society too. So Jesus, we thank you for your word and we thank you, Jesus, for your heart to see us be people of love and people who submit to one another out of reverence for Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.